Hey everybody, welcome to the 81st episode of the JDO Show. I'm your host, J. David Osborne, coming at you from El Paso, Texas. We just got done with our move. We've unpacked most things. I built a bookshelf today and another bookshelf. So I'm the bookshelf builder. You know, I have a carpentry degree. I spent like five years in carpentry school, so it's no big deal. I mean, this stuff is Ikea, but I think what a lot of people don't realize is Ikea is actually the best furniture you can possibly buy. Um, on the face of the planet. I mean, it's just, you know, you could spend extra money or you could just buy Ikea, which is uh, fashioned by the hands of uh, tiny little awesome gnomes. Um, yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing. I'm not even, wait, Ikea isn't even giving me money. Fuck Ikea. Never mind. Forget it. I built it out of wood that I found in my backyard because uh, that's what you do when you have a five-year degree in carpentry. Anyway, speaking of work, my guest today is Bud Smith. His new memoir is called Work. It's out from Civil Coping Mechanisms. Now listen, um, this episode is a little bit over 45 minutes, but the full episode is an hour and 45 minutes. If you listen to this and you want to hear more, the uh, Patreon has the full episode. So you go to patreon.com slash jdo, sign up for five bucks a month, and uh, you'll get the full extended episodes and also bonus episodes that I record kind of randomly. I've been having fun with them. I uh, did a rant that's up there now, but uh, Rios and I recently have just been fucking around with the microphone and making each other laugh, and I think I'm just going to kind of throw those up as uh, bonus content. So patreon.com slash JDO for the extended episode with Bud Smith, who is here now on this 81st episode of the JDO show. His book is called Work. It's a memoir. It's from civil coping mechanisms that most literary of small presses please do enjoy it uh i hope everybody's feeling good i hope everybody's feeling uh maybe a little bit of autumn because uh the summer is just for the dogs I'm, i think i'm done with it i love you all thank you for listening here is uh bud smith 81st episode jdo show hello hello you there man yeah, okay. Hey, there what's you up, are. dude? Hey, not much, man. How are you? Yeah. Good. Um, I'm good, yeah. man. You know, getting home. Right. Healthy, happy, wise, rich. Right. That's right. Yeah, let me just uh, let me just let's talk for just like thirty seconds before I start recording because I just want to make sure that this is gonna work and all that good stuff. So uh, I'll just like give Skype yeah. time to sort of establish like a connection and stuff like that. So. Go go ahead and just uh, recite recite a poem or something. I love this guy named JDO. His hair is pretty soon gonna be white as snow. <laughs> uh, right now it's still a little normal. Pretty soon he's gonna be old and feeble. <laughs> poem right. for JDO. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, right on. Okay, cool. All right, I think we're ready to. Rock and roll. It looks like the call recorder is going. So, hey, bud, thank you for being on my podcast again. Yeah, thank you for uh, having me on this thing again. Yeah, it's uh, it feels weird without Joey here. You know, it's just the two of us. Yeah, he's at work right now. Yeah. <clears throat> he's uh, he's at McNally Jackson. Right on. And, um, yeah, he's he hates you know he hates it. So. Mm -hmm. But you you uh, you like your job though, right? Like you you don't have any complaints. No, I like my job. The people mm. I work with are funny. Everybody's cool. You know, there's no, like, bullshit. We just, like, hang out. 
So I was curious because uh, you know I read I read a I read like half a book today. Oh, that's awesome, dude! Any any work that lets you just like read a book is fucking awesome. Yeah, we were just waiting around for permits and stuff, so it's like ah, you can't do anything. So you just sit, you're sitting in the truck, and like for a long for a long this time lately, I was like just staring at my phone day after day, and I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna start reading at work. So like the last the last like four months, I've been like reading. So I read a few books a week at work. It's pretty cool. What have you I read feel recently? Like human. I just read Maya Antonia, which is this old book about. Um, it's like a little house on the prairie, pretty much. Mm. But uh, it's written by Willa Cather. It's really good. I just read Chelsea Martin's uh, Caca Dolce, which I really liked. Uh, McClanahan Sarah book. Read that. Literally Show Me a Healthy Person by Dorothy Wilder. Um, and I read like a bunch of the um, the books by the New York Review of Books. All the old reissues of out of print books. So like reading Fat City right now, which is like a really cool book about boxers these two boxers in stockton california in the i think it's like the late 50s it's it's set and i read this book called hard rain falling it's another new york review of books it's don carpenter mm-hmm. and it's like it's considered one of like the best prison american prison books which i kind of agree with it was really cool like part of it takes place in prison and then i read recently i actually i i'm looking at like the stack of like the recent books that's why i'm like I'm not mm. like it's. I feel like I'm like sound like Sherlock Holmes or something over here. Like <laughs> I just remember, um, Renata Adler Speedboat, which is kind of like um, I don't know. I, I wanted to read it because I really like Darcy Wilder's book, mm-hmm. and I had heard that Speedboat was kind of like the maybe like in, not invented the form of that, but kind of like was like a forebearer of that form. And Darcy yeah, Wilder is like I had, I had never seen best. anything like that. It's like yeah. the best tweets yeah her book's great um darcy wilders it's like it's like a novel told in um mostly the like tweet size little chunks sometimes you get something as as long as a uh facebook status but um i I love i love this book it's one of my favorite books in the last few years for sure yeah me too man i really really liked it i um pretty much everything that tyron is doing i think is is really cool like they're they seem to be batting a thousand recently so yeah, yeah, you know, it's kind of cool. Like, I've like I, I got I got Joey Grant living here, and he's big into like the bookstore thing right now. So he just comes home with like all kind. He just looks at books all day, and he's like, "Hey, we should you should read this. You should read that." So it's been great because lately he just gives me things to read, and uh, you need that in life because you start to get a little older, and you just like oh, I've read every good book, which you know it's not true. Right, right. Not sure at all. Yeah, yeah, sometimes I get that way yeah. too, man. Where I like, uh, I, I really kind of get bummed out about quote unquote the state of literature, you know. And I'm just like, there's nothing fucking good out there. But it, it, I mean, of course there is. You know, there's like a thousand books published every day, so one of them has to be good. Yeah, there's plenty. There's so much good stuff. And like once, the the best thing about getting in like a reading jag, of like you're gonna get excited about reading. Uh, is like, I don't know, once you start reading books that are, you know, when you stumble upon a really good book, now now you can't go back to reading a shit. you can't read a shitty one next, so you're like, well, fuck it, I gotta find another really good one. Mm-hmm. So you like dig a little harder, because I'm not just gonna go and read something shitty next, because I know 
it's going to make me just want to give up on books completely. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I think that like what what shitty is has kind of changed over time for me too. Like shitty to me now is just boring, you know, predictable. Like I don't actually care if a sentence is pretty anymore or if a plot is really super tight or anything like that. I just if it's something that I've pretty much seen before, I don't know. I kind of or if it doesn't have a really strong voice too, like that'll that'll lift because that's kind of what genre does, right? Like genre is kind of a a standard. It's like the blues. I think I was talking to a guy named, uh, I don't know if you know Jed Ayers, he wrote a book called Peckerwood, but he, I was talking to him on the phone, and he was talking about why he likes uh, crime fiction so much, and he was talking about how it's like the blues, you know, you, there's only so much you can do with the blues, but depending on who's playing it, it can be fucking badass, you know. Yeah, you're trapped in the form of it, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be a fiction novel, and then all of a sudden a dragon shows up or whatever. There's, uh, you're locked in the form of it, and like magic kind of happens in the constraints of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's kind of. I agree with. That's a, that's one of the um, things that I really like about about genre fiction. But I kind of, I don't know. I've taken a break from it for a while now. I've been become really interested in books that are uh, sort of experimental with their tech, like like Blake Butler and shit like that. You know, I've been, become like, and I think the reason why I became so obsessed with those kind of books is because I had a sort of visceral dislike of them at first. And uh, it kind of made me wonder, like, why? Yeah. Why do I like? Why do I hate this so much? So I've been kind of exploring my distaste with these books, but I, I like them. And it's like an S and M thing, right? Where like they're they're beating me up, but I'm kind of I'm kind of digging it, you know? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. When you get into reading experimental stuff, then it seems like you just read it for like a couple of days, and all of a sudden you can handle it. But when you first start, it's like, holy shit! How how the hell am I going to read this thing? Yeah, which is like, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm staring at I got Bolaño two six 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 on my shelf. I'm gonna try to read that soon. Oh, dude, that was a good one. Tell me to read that, and I think that's yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I'm looking forward to reading that, and like, I don't know. I was just recently looking at this um, list that was like the most difficult pain in the ass books to read, and I was kind of surprised that some. You know, whatever. Some of these lists are such bullshit. But the and Nabokov's uh, pill. I think I say his name wrong. What else is new? The um, <laughs> pill fire was on there. Did you ever read that? Yeah, dude, I love pill fire. I think that's great. I read that in uh, college. I went through. Uh, I think it's. I always pronounced it Nabokov, but I think it's N- Nabokov. Uh-huh. I think. But oh, okay, it, Nabokov. I think. I don't know. I don't. Don't quote me on that. But anyway, yes, yeah, so I read uh, Pale Fire and like Lolita. And a yeah. collection of short stories and stuff. But Pale Fire, I had this... Okay, so check this out, dude. Someone's totally going to rip this, but I, I had this uh-huh. idea to do like a, a redo of Pale Fire, but have it, instead of a poem, yeah. have it be a Facebook status. I thought that would be a cool, cool. Like, play on that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think people would be... And you could put it all online and the hyperlinks would all work and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like how the, uh, how the book is... How the book is like footnotes to jump around and, and then you would just click on a hyperlink and it would just keep going mm-hmm. yeah so oh. i think that's like something uh you know it's like the dennis cooper uh gift novel just like a cool thing you can do with online like yeah did art, you did you like those is, yeah i do i like i liked it a lot i thought it was you know i just wish that like i could do just endless things you know i'm mm-hmm. always like i think my mind's just a little more wrapped too wrapped around like i want to write a novel or whatever and I wish that um, 
Like, I'm just so into, like, the idea of, like, video and, you know, making... I used to just want to make films when I was younger, and I never, like... I never got non-lazy enough, never got my act together enough to, like, actually make things like that. So anytime I see, like, visual medium stuff, I'm always, like, so happy about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's kind of how I, I feel about it, too. And I I like just the, the balls on that guy. You know what I mean? To just be like, this is a novel. And, you know, just to kind of, you know, flop the dick out on the table and be like, hey... Because, you know, people get weird and nitpicky about, like, what a novel actually is, you know. Well, if you cross yeah, over this cause... amount of words, it's a novella. And if you get this far, it's a novel. But yeah. then this is a novelette. And Cooper was just like, fuck it. Like, this is this is my gift novel. So fuck you. Yeah. People are babies. People get, keep, people get like, territorial and they, they want to, like, play semantics with everything. And a lot of times semantics, they can be good and they can be bad. And if... When you start when you start trying to define what a piece of art is, it's definitely a bad thing. When you start to say like, mm-hmm. you know, like I think a lot of times when I first started writing, I was like, um, you know, you would hear about people just trying to get agents and stuff, and they would tell you, oh, your novel has to be between sixty thousand words and eighty thousand words. It can't be smaller, it can't be bigger, because it won't sell as a first novel. And this is the template. And you're like, okay, that's weird. That like, you know, you just want to like. You you're really you're really gonna figure it out to like the exact amount of words and stuff. It's yeah, odd. yeah, no, and I think that I think that one of the things that's so hilarious now, and this might just be because uh, I've been here for so long. I'm jaded might be the wrong word, but I'm definitely suspicious of any time anybody has guidelines for what quote unquote sells and what doesn't, because nobody fucking yeah. knows. Nobody knows. Yeah, I mean, not only does nobody know, but nothing really makes a lot of money like the biggest thing making a lot of money in art really isn't doing that good i mean you could have done a lot better by like you know i don't know opening up your own like garbage disposal service or something Uh, (laughs) that's true dude so like it's like i read about um like we're talking about filmmakers earlier and when i was younger i just like thought like that would be the ultimate thing to be able to write and direct and i was never really interested in acting and something but maybe like to be able to make make a whole make a whole particularly like a film you know mm-hmm. and then i remember one of the uh one of the early heroes i had was um i think i think you say his name todd Solins. he was um mm-hmm. the happiness he had guy. those like gross out kind of movies yeah the happiness guy he was from new jersey and um i just remember hearing that one of his movies like he like bankrolled the whole thing himself and like and he was doing like decent, you know, like he was having like good people in those movies and stuff. And I just remember hearing about the one where he like put all his money up for it, and then like, you know, it didn't do so hot, so he went bankrupt, or he couldn't get it distributed, or whatever, and like lost, lost his whole gig. And I'm just like, wow, that's like, you know, yeah, because you normally like, only hear you, you normally only hear the stories where that's a success. The uh, Jeremy Sonier who did Blue Ruin and Green Room, he bankrolled uh-huh. Blue Ruin, and it ended up being a big hit, and now. They did Green Room and people like that, and now he's working on the third season of True Detective. And so you hear those, you know, he risked it all. But the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the one that you don't yeah, hear yeah. about is the one who risked it all, and then it's then they just they're fucking destitute, and their wife leaves them and shit. Yeah, yeah. Like the like, okay, we're we're checking in with the dude who lost everything. Here he is, <laughs> drinking expired chocolate milk mm-hmm. in his boxer shorts, and the lights don't work in his house. Uh, yeah, so and he doesn't even like he doesn't even like chocolate milk. No, he just it's like it's still there from like his wife left it in the fridge when she left him. 
He's just drinking, um, he's drinking expired chocolate milk and wearing his wife's panties and just crying. Yeah. <laughs> got dark. I don't know. Yeah, got sad. Like, I'm not making any movies. Fuck that. No <laughs> movies for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, basic. okay, so you got a new book out, and it's called Work. Yeah, it's called Work. It's memoirs about my my construction jobs mostly, mm-hmm. um, which they've all kind of been, even from when I was like a little kid. Just like trying, like trying to get jobs where you didn't need an education or skills, skill sets, so you could just you know lug around and do stuff. And um, you know, and then work stories about my family and stories about when I met my uh, girlfriend and became my wife. And uh, yeah, they're just like they're stories. They're kind of like the greatest hits of the anecdotes of my life. You know what I mean? Like you're at a party and and someone's like, "Oh, hey, tell that, tell them that story." And then so you, I'll just start telling that story for like the fiftieth time, you know, in the last couple of years to like just a few scattered people. So I just, I don't know. I got really drunk a couple like two Christmases ago, and I saw a call for um, columns at Real Pants that Adam Robinson had put up. So I was like. I was like, oh, that looks like a cool site. So I reached out to Adam, and I was like, hey, can I write some stories about, like, my jobs? And uh, I don't know. He was like, okay, yeah, you can try it. You can do it. And then I was like, well, how often do you want me to put one up? So he's like, just put one up every Tuesday. So I started doing that. I did that for, like, like a year. I wrote, like, an essay every Tuesday morning and posted it, like, at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. And then that – that's what became this book. That's what became. That's what became this thing. Where I, you know, I was never really interested in writing nonfiction or memoir, or creative nonfiction. But uh, you know, once I started, I think just my like, all my writing like opened up a lot more. Now, did you? Now, how did you like? Uh, how did you decide on a particular order for the book? Was it just chronological, or did you decide to like? How did how did that work out? Well, I kind of the first piece in it is kind of like a. Um, I hope it kind of like it exp- explains like the way the book's going to unfold, and it doesn't. It doesn't go chronologically. It kind of jumps back. It pretty much jumps back and forth between. It doesn't go any earlier than like my years working. It's like my first jobs were like when I was maybe like thirteen mm-hmm. or so, because I lived in Jersey and you could just, you know, there, especially in the summertime, there's like rich people that would come down for the summer so you could get like jobs it was like a resort town so anyone who wanted to work could work it wasn't like it wasn't hard for for employment around where i live mm-hmm. so i have i have just have like a lot of stories in there about um just the different stupid jobs i had and it jumps around to like um kind of cover also like trying to getting frustrated with just working and i wanted to try to be a more creative person and I wanted to try to get more into writing but I didn't really know how and uh, I don't know just kind of pinballs around it doesn't go chronologically but I think it I think it, it tells us tells a uh, an arc like a memoir should or like a novel should it's not like a, just a collection of unassembled uh, or a bunch of essays stuck together it's not a collection of essays mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well that's cool yeah so uh, then I guess you kind of Maybe you waited for, you know, you have to have a good opener. So you had to open with like a banger, right? And then 
after that, you know, you kind of, it's like almost mood-based maybe, sort of, you know, from one, and I'm assuming there's some sort of climactic story towards the end that is is, is a, more of like a, a, is it, now it's a funny book, right? So it's not necessarily like, yeah, yeah okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, no, you're not, there's no like lesson in it. You don't like learn, you don't learn how to be a happy person or how to be a productive person or you don't get tips and tricks for creative writing and you don't like learn the value of working hard and you don't learn like that your family has your back and you don't learn that like you can overcome the obstacles in your life. You don't learn anything from it, but it's just, um, it's like an, it's a collection of semi fucked up anecdotes. It's funny. And some of them are a little, they're a little, uh, like mean there's some mean ass anecdotes in there it's just like it's, it's mostly stories i would tell you i would tell at a party mm-hmm. if sounds, i was drunk enough that sounds badass and it seems like i don't know i kind of get a sixth sense for this shit now and it seems like this book in particular has a lot of people interested but not not just interested in the facebook or twitter way which is you know where they share it or they like it and they say oh this guy who i you know one time did a reading with is coming out with a book, so you should definitely read this guy's stuff. You know, people seem actually, like, excited to read it, so that's cool. Yeah, I think people, um, I think people get, like, happy when they see a book come out about, like, working class stuff, because they, they're either like, they're either like, oh, wow, I'm not working class, and it's kind of fun to look at, like, the monkeys in the zoo, mm-hmm. uh, or they're, you know, or they are, are that way, like myself, and they're like, Oh, cool! A book that's not about, you know, snorting cocaine uh, in my helicopter. <laughs> so it's just, <laughs> dudes, the snow chopper. That's I'm gonna write a book called yeah, snow called chopper. called Snow Chopper, and it's all about fucking being in a chopper, chopping out lines, dude. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I um, yeah. No, I don't really. Uh, I'm kind of tired of that stuff too. I kind of. I kind of lose interest whenever um, whenever I discover that a book is by somebody who grew up wealthy. It's something that I, I go back and forth on because I try not to be too judgmental of people. And I try to be like, okay, people, yeah. people are people, you know, no matter what. They, there are cool people on all sides. There are poor people who are shitty. There are poor people who are cool. There are rich people who are shitty. There are rich people who are cool. But there is something, I guess, I don't know. There's something missing from rich people's lived experience that we're always going to reach that impasse you know what i mean where it's just like you don't you just don't get it it's like when people don't have depression and they say hey why don't you just like get over it you know you're sad why don't you just stop stop being sad i think with rich people whether they mean to or not they reach a point where they're they're going to talk about something that i'm just not going to understand and i think vice versa too so, but I guess that's kind yeah, of what, what's cool about books, you know, like is that people can pick up your book and be like, oh, hey, this is what this guy's, you know, worried about instead of, you know, that his gardener didn't properly shape the bush into the Tyrannosaurus Rex that I paid him to shape it into, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read, I'm going to read books about rich people. Don't get me wrong, because maybe I'll, uh. But if someone, if a rich person sees me reading a book about rich people stuff, maybe they'll, maybe they'll like get excited and want to take me with them or something <laughs> to do rich people shit. But yeah, in general, I don't know. 
reading reading is like increasingly getting to be such like a a weird thing to do. Like you're just you know you get spotted with a book, or you see someone else with a book in public, and it's like it's like I, I hear that alarm sound in my head like in uh, Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. It's like, eh, 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 <laughs> and I just like I just like lock eyes with the person with the book, and I try. Oh, you're reading The Girls by Emma Klein. Okay, we don't need to talk, right? Or, or whatever it is, you know, right? But, well, what, now what 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 is that? I, I, I remember, that was kind of a big book, right? That was sort of a popular one. Yeah, it's probably a really good book, but it's just a book I've seen everywhere, and mm-hmm. so it's like it's just I've seen it everywhere, and it doesn't you know doesn't it's like it's like that hipster elitist thing like mm-hmm. i'll get excited if, if i hear somebody listens to like the monkeys on vinyl that like one really good monkeys album or something but if they're listening to like uh you know whatever the new the new hit stuff is i'm you know i'm into it so you're more moment. of an oldies guy i'm like i just like asking people what's good and what they tell me surprises me and tells me something about them and then if i don't know what it is i try to seek it out and check it out Mm-hmm. Unless it's like you know, just people telling me like to read like the number one hit book or to see you know the number one hit movie of the summer, like whatever it is, take it with a grain of salt. I think that one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot in terms of uh, it doesn't. It seems that no matter where people are on the spectrum when it comes to writing or uh, movies or whatever, people are kind of torn between their devotion to their particular click um mm-hmm. or or genre but then they're they're pulled in yeah. the other direction now especially because of twitter and facebook to be yeah. a part of like the conversation you know what i'm saying so like yeah, so totally. it seems like people want to be on the indie side of things but then you'll i'll look at their posts and they'll be like i went to go see it i went to go see this i went to go see all the you know all the recent movies and you know god bless you whatever spend your money however you wish i'm not here to tell you what to do with it but there does seem to be a disconnect between, like, I don't think people uh, really understand the value of their dollar and where their dollar goes actually matters, you know? So I think that they kind of pay lip service to things, but then they want to be, they got to make sure that they're up on the latest TV, like Game of Thrones and, you know, the newest movies and the books that's number one on the New York Times. It's it's human nature, I guess. People want to be uh, with the winners. They want to be with the big things and stuff like that, but... It's so I guess yeah, it's yeah. just kind of like natural that the money flows that direction. But I guess what I'm kind of saying, what I'm sort of revealing about myself is that recently I've uh-huh. been kind of irritated that people haven't been giving me more money. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, I don't know, you got to think about it this way. Like picture of you, like you got in the time machine and you went back to uh, what, what year did like E.T. come out? And you got to like go back to the year E.T. came out and like mm-hmm. and your book is still out. Are people going to spend it on E.T.? Are they going to spend it on your book? Probably they're gonna ET. they're gonna have to go see eats they're gonna have to go see et um and then if they have any money left over maybe they'll read your book when i was a little kid i used to be so fucking scared of et um i used to have sort of nightmares i'd be laying in my bed and i'd look over the edge mm-hmm. of my bed and i would see like that long fucking creepy finger coming up over the side of the bed the finger is what creeped me out <laughs> as a kid but get this one of my like when I was a kid, my stuffed animals were Mickey Mouse and fucking E. T. So I don't know what was going on. I love my E. T. doll, but I was scared as shit of the E. T. movie. And I don't think to this day that I've actually watched E. T. all the way through. Oh yeah. My, yeah, my wife has like a story of going to see E. T. and um she was like she was like seven or something and being in the theater and like 
screaming and like getting hysterical mm-hmm. you know, at, during ET, and they had to leave. They had to leave the theater. The family had to get up and leave. And then um, her and her sister watched. Uh, what's what's the next one? The next one was like Gremlins. They watched Gremlins and like Gremlins isn't a scary movie, but they had like nightmares for like uh, you know years about the Gremlins, and they would like you know just just have. <laughs> Like Dude, me, like they went and like it's, fought in Vietnam or something. It's so crazy. <laughs> it's gremlins. fucking so crazy that like that Gremlins was PG, and at the end of that movie, the bad Gremlin yeah. melts into bones. Fuck, and it's like screaming and yeah, the... yeah. I mean, like yeah, sure. It is. It is like demented, and these were like little kids, but you know, I mean, I don't know. It's just funny to think about. Think about being scared of Gremlins. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> yeah. No, dude. No, and that's and that's the thing with ET. Uh, I saw this thing online, and apparently, at first, E.T. was supposed to actually be a horror movie. And so they have all these things that Spielberg commissioned to be developed, and it was like, it looked like E.T., but if E.T. was fucking evil, you know? So they yeah, have yeah, like yeah. these kind of like, and they're really, really creepy. So I think some of that residual creepiness might have stayed with E.T., but kind of like thinking more about in the 80s how there was no pg-13 so there was just these movies like the temple of doom was pg so i remember like watching yeah. watching temple of doom when i like i grew up watching all the indiana jones movies but yeah, temple of doom like the the guy gets his fucking heart ripped out and it's just like my parents yes, were like oh okay that's fine but then i remember my mom went on this crusade about uh like ninja turtles because it was too violent and i was watching temple yeah, of doom she, she like that's because she like read all the comic books. She's like the Ninja Turtles are fucked up. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh yeah, that's true. Because the the I forgot about that. That the original ones were kind of for grown ups, right? Yeah. Yeah, they were for like grown ups. Because I remember the um, when the movie came out, I didn't know that, and I like spent like all my money and bought all the Ninja Turtle comics, and I was like, holy shit, the Ninja Turtles are getting their fucking dicks sucked. I know. It's like instead of Cowabunga, Michelangelo is just like, show me them titties. You know, it was like yeah, their thing. Yeah, they're like they're getting like they're getting like prostitutes pregnant and stuff. <laughs> um, so yeah, when we were talking about ET, I just read I just read like all the like the novelizations of ET, and then there was supposed to be an ET sequel. So the guy, this guy named William Kotzwinkel wrote the novelization of ET, and this guy William Kotzwinkel he wrote one of my favorite books. So that's why I read the ET novelization. The he wrote this book called. The book is called The Fan Man, and it's like a um, – I don't know if you ever read Sam Pink. Like, yeah. Um, did you ever read like Ron Tal where he's just walking around Chicago and, mm-hmm. and just like getting into hijinks? Well, that's what this book Fan Man is, but it was written in like 1960-something. I'll tell you. I'm looking at it right now. It was written in like, like 68 or something. And he's just like this – instead of it being like – it was written in 74. But instead of him walking around Chicago and, like, just, you know, it's, like, 2008 or whatever, mm-hmm. he's walking around um, San Francisco and just being, like, a bummed-out hippie guy. He's, like, a, like a radical hippie dude. And uh, it's just a funny-ass fucking book. But, uh, so, yeah, when I saw that guy, he wrote the novelizations of E.T., I was like, oh, cool, because I – did you ever hear of that podcast called Book Fight? No. It's, like um, – Barrel House has a podcast called Book Fight. It's like, mm-hmm. these two dudes, uh, Mike Ingram and Tom Callister, they like fight about, they just like get in conversations and fight about books and stuff. And uh, so I wrote to those guys and they were like, oh, cool. What do you want to read? We'll like, we'll do it. And I was like, awesome. I want to read these fucking ET novels. 
<laughs> Wait, no- novels plural? So there's more than one? Yeah, there's like two of them. There's two novels because like we're they were gonna make a sequel to ET, and Spielberg oh. was like, "Hey, man, write write a write a novelization, and we'll make the script from it." And so, uh, and then it just never happened for whatever reason. But, I didn't. Uh, I didn't know there was supposed to be an ET too. Yeah, it was like I guess it was talked about enough that this guy wrote a, a novel, and they were gonna adapt it into a screenplay and stuff. Um, like. So how does his like reverse engineer it? How, how does how does his but, style um, then like kind of translate over to from from these like bummed out guy to like ET? He's like this this writer is like um, like Kurt Vonnegut's a fan of his, mm. so like he's like in that in that realm of like whacked out sci fi writers mm. where he kind of like he's like a Philip K. Dick kind of dude where he just writes like really weird sci-fi stuff and then he'll write like more plausible things and I guess uh, <laughs> I guess E.T. was his plausible uh, novel or whatever but he like he adapted it from Spielberg's story it wasn't like he, he didn't like invent it you know and what's his name it sounded like you said Cockwrinkle yeah Cockwrinkle yeah. his name is um, Harry Cockwrinkle now it's William <laughs> Cotswinkle Cotswinkle. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why he's not a household name. It's he's not a household name because his his last name sounds like Cockwrinkle. Yeah, <laughs> you should have just gone with Cockwrinkle. You know. It yeah. It sounds like a fucking like, Austin Powers character. <laughs> First name Cock, last name Wrinkle. <laughs> but it's like K A W K Kalk. He's mm-hmm. like a he's like a German spy yeah. or whatever. Um, but I, was, mm-hmm. I I interrupted you. What was the how did the the book fight thing go? Oh, I didn't do it. I didn't, I didn't wind up doing it, so I thought I would just tell you about it just briefly. And now I think I'm done talking about ET. Oh, but okay. like, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the ET thing was like um, the thing with the books is like ET like talks to plants, so mm-hmm. that's like a big part of his like life. Is he just hangs out and like has like wacky conversations with plants, which is kind of stupid. Yeah, like eat. That's like ET's power. Like you didn't know ET had a power. Well, that's it. He like. Like literally just goes and like chills in like the rose bushes and talks to roses. That is the dumbest he, power I've ever heard ever. Yeah, and ET's like, I need to get home. What do I do? And the roses are like, I don't know. Can you get somebody to water us? <laughs> it's California. It's the mid seventies. We're like dry as hell. We need we need water. Like and there's, I don't know. We help oh, us. God, it's fucking hilarious, dude. Oh, that's so funny. So, what was your uh, so kind of switch gears? What was your first job? My first job was just um, I tried to go get a job with my dad because he worked in he worked in like an auto shop, mm-hmm. and I, I didn't know how to do anything with cars or anything. But I was like, oh, I'm just gonna go and like learn learn how to fix cars and things. So I'll do it. I'll go to the auto shop and I'll learn how to become a mechanic. So I told I asked him to ask his boss if I could come and like work at the shop, and, and he was like, yeah, yeah. He's, I said come this Saturday, come to the shop, and you can. You can come and hang out and, you know, see what, see what happens from there. Mm-hmm. So I get there, and um, the job they had for me was just the the boss. He had a, uh, like, a, almost like he had a yacht. He had a yacht, and it was parked in the lot of the, uh, the uh, in the parking lot of the uh, auto shop. And my job was to go underneath, underneath, it was like up on cinder blocks or whatever, on a, little, a small boat truck. I don't remember and i had to go underneath and just scrape all the barnacles and it mm-hmm. was like nastiest job i one of the nastiest jobs i've ever had 
and it was just it was like heat wave. So I was out there all day, just getting like slimy fish stuff all over myself, barnacles, and and I would like try to go inside the shop to get like a drink of water, and they would yell at me to get out because I like smelled too bad or whatever. Was was so, uh, now, um, are are barnacles alive? Are those living things? I think they are to a point. Yeah, I think they're like, I think they can survive out of water a little bit, but I think these were all these were all like just hard. It was like chipping cement off a. Oh Jesus! That just reeks and stinks. But I'm not complaining too much about it. I'm not like bitching about it. But that was like my first job, and it didn't work out. I didn't get to like learn how to, you know, change tire, you know, change oil and rotate tires and do all that stuff. They, they just want the guy kept wanting me to do stupid shit, like go to his house and like, you know, rake leaves and stuff. So I'd go do that. I just, I wound up just doing like, kid shit, you know, mm-hmm. mowing lawns and raking raking leaves, and like. I remember I was trying to get money together so I could get a car, um, even though it was like years away, you know, because like mm-hmm. you're mowing like a lawn for like ten bucks, ten bucks a lawn, so it's gonna you know, it takes you like years to save up for a car. And like I was I was getting people <laughs> to like let me mow their lawns on this block, so I went to this one house and I knocked on the door, and I was like, can I mow, can I mow your lawn? And the guy was like, sure, you can mow the lawn. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get my lawnmower. I'll come back, right? So I came back with the lawnmower, and I was just about to start, and the guy, like, opened up the door, and he's like, hey, kid, I'm just fucking with you. What? And I was like, yeah, I was like, what kind of fucking joke is that? Like, <laughs> at least he stopped me before I mowed the whole thing, and he was like, time to pay, and he was like, I'm just fucking with you. Yeah, that's like, there are some people out there, dude, who I, I don't think understand what jokes actually are, you know? It's like, because yeah. you ever have people like like friends who, you, they would just kind of lie to you, and then they'd be like, "Hey, I still have friends like that actually now." My buddy Jose, I just moved back to El Paso, so I've been hanging out with Jose again, and Jose just yeah. he just fucking lies. He'll be like, "Yeah,", yeah. He just... he'd be like, "Yeah, that place over there, yeah, they had to shut it down because uh, somebody got shot." And I'll be like, really? He'll be like, no, idiot. I'm like, that's not a joke, dude. That's just, that's just not, that's yeah. just not true. Yeah, you just, you're just misleading me. Uh, just, you know, I, I don't know, to, to make you, to make yourself look smart or something. Like this, this guy, I was like, kid, you're so stupid. You thought you were gonna get to mow my lawn for five bucks? What an idiot. But like, ah, eh, whatever. Yeah. I like, you know, I don't hold a grudge because uh, he lives like kind of by where my. My cousin lives, and I like around Christmas time. I like drive by that house, and I think about burning it down. But I don't hold a grudge. <laughs> but you don't hold a grudge at all. You don't have any any bad feelings towards that guy whatsoever. You just you know, it's it's water under yeah. the bridge. You know, it's whatever. You're yeah, just you're just gonna burn it the fuck down. That's all. You know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I like the idea of of you burning a house down and somebody calling the cops and you just being like i'm not even mad i'm not mad i just i just, I just like uh, you were, you, i mean like talking to yo cops you guys wouldn't know if i was mad like for yeah. real yeah like you guys would know i would have i would have tweeted at you i would have tagged you in an instagram thingamajig yeah you know what i mean i i would have i would have facetimed you and it's like and it's like well i mean you burned his house i mean you see pretty mad it's a bro 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 come on Guys, let's be real here. Come on. Yeah. Do I look mad right now? No, I don't think so. Yeah, but, being um, mad isn't part of my brand. So have you ever gotten like super mad and quit a job? 
uh, yeah, of course. I mean, uh, I've, I've definitely had jobs. Where I got like, I had a job where I worked for a long time, and then it got to the, like the day where I was like, oh, okay, this is gonna be my last day here. Like, I, I was just thinking that in my head, like the whole shift, and then the end of the, the shift came around, and like I just went, like I was getting paid, um, you know, cash for the week or whatever, and and I knew they would like just pay me up to the day, and then that would be it. So I like, went up to him. I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go get a different job. It was nice working here or whatever. And they were like, oh, yeah, well, we were going to fire you anyway. Dude, they literally did the thing like, you're not going to quit. You're fired. Yeah, yeah. But I was going to work at like the place like right next door. Um, yeah. So like I, I went I went to work at that, at that place, and then and I started working for this old man that, worked, that like ran that place. And he was like telling me, he was like, "Yeah, um, they told me, they told me a couple weeks ago that, that they're gonna fire you, because uh, like I guess, you know, he talked to them and was like, oh, he's gonna come work, work for me, I guess, because he didn't want any like bad blood mm-hmm. between these people." And uh, <clears throat> they were like, "That guy's a scumbag. We're we're gonna fire him. We're just like we're not we're not we haven't like done gotten around to firing him yet." And then he was like, he told them, he was like, well, "Whatever, he's gonna come work for me." So. You know, mm-hmm. I'll figure out if I'm gonna fire. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was a. Uh, there was one time when I uh, first moved to Portland, and you know, when you first move to a place, you're just kind of looking for any job at all that you can do. Yeah. So I ended up uh, going into the cheesecake factory and being like, "Hey, I'll, I'll wash wash dishes," and they were like, "Oh my god, thank God that you're here," you know, because yeah. I guess they have a really high turnover there because. Uh, it sucks. And you know, the thing is, man, I really, I liked it. I worked there for a couple days and, uh, the guys who I was hanging out with are fucking awesome. Cause they're all on house arrest, you know, like they could yeah, just, yeah. they could just leave their house and go into the kitchen and, and work there. And so, dude, it was great. We just got to talk about pussy all day and uh-huh. like they were telling me all these crazy stories and they were all just completely nutty dudes and I loved it. But unfortunately it was just, it didn't really, I don't know. It was just too hard and i was just feeling kind of old to be doing that you know i was like this is just non-stop because it's the cheesecake factory so they just keep wheeling in cart after cart of dish you know what i mean so it's not one of those things where you kind of wash dishes and then you shoot the shit it was one of those consistent just plate after plate after plate after plate with like nasty ass food on it whatever so anyway so i just well, yeah that, that that's that kind of place that like they bring like a they bring like a you know, they give you like a cup of coffee and it has like three plates underneath it for some reason. Right, it's exactly. Like just crazy shit like that. Exactly, exactly. And then, so basically, so after a few days, I decided to quit. I was like, hey, I think I'm going to go uh, get a job. And they were like, why? And I said, because there's probably an easier way to make 10 bucks an hour, right? And uh, so they were yeah. like, do you want to uh, like put in a two weeks notice so that you're still in good standing with the Cheesecake Factory? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like I'm just leaving, dude. So that that still cracks me up to this day that I'm I am in bad state. If I were to try to go get a job right now at the Cheesecake Factory, there would be a little a, a ping that they would get, and they would say, "Ah, we're really sorry. You know, you're, you're really qualified for this, but you're not in good, you're not in good standing with the Cheesecake Factory." Yeah. No, you'd come you'd come back in, and they'd be like, you know, Ed, like, "Hey, I'm here to wash dishes." Holy shit! Thank fucking god. <laughs> Get get it get here's your apron. Get in the back. Get washing. They'd be like just like, so yeah. excited. Oh yeah, anyone oh, to yeah. come wash dishes. Yeah, no, I mean like they they are hurting for that. And so it's it's funny to me because it's one of those things where 
it's the division like one of the things that's always annoyed me any job that i've ever had has been the division between corporate and the actual people who do the job which i think is probably true of everybody anywhere right but it's just they ask for fucking impossible shit and they would know that it was impossible if they spent even two days doing that job right they would know that like the thing that they are asking you to do is completely impossible but they're just like well we just we got to get our numbers up got to get our numbers up david i'm sorry i don't know yeah gotta wash more dishes so you're out of here yeah yeah and it's just you know we need more people it's we, we can't move this fa- that's why it's a uh, kind of scary i don't know if you've been following this kind of thing but th- how they're talking about you know certain jobs are going to be obsolete in 10 years because of robots good i hope they fucking make my job obsolete with robots and then they just pay you a, a stipend to to be a non-robot to be a flesh bag yeah, I feel, I feel like I live in um, living on the East Coast, New York City, Jersey. Like, I don't know. There's everything's just seems so expensive, and I, I like it. Don't get me wrong, but like, you have to work. You have to work pretty. You have to have a really good job to do good around here. So it's like, I'll just go to Kansas and <laughs> dude. Live. Like, I'll go. I'll go live on the prairie, like that book I just read. That's exactly what I have have done, and I couldn't be happier. Like right now, yeah. I'm just I'm sitting in a house. It's got three bedrooms, two bathrooms, and I'm paying fucking half what I paid to live in a studio apartment in Portland. So yeah, it's hot. It's hot as balls. So you have to like get used to the the heat. Um, but I yeah, made but, it... but but you get used to it, right? Like your your like blood will actually change. Your like blood gets like thinner, or thicker depending on where you live. Like, right. Yeah. So like eventually you you're just gonna have you're not gonna have blood. You're gonna have molasses. Hell yeah, dude. in your body. Hell yeah, dude. And then I'll be a superhero, and I'll do something with... I'll slow down time. That'll be my molasses superpower. And then everybody will be like, oh... And they'll go really, really slow, and I'll just kick everybody's ass because they can't move. But, um... Yeah, I think I think all the time about how my job is, is disappearing. Because, I mean, I work... I work right now. I work in, like, the oil and gas industry, and it's like... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a good thing that the oil and gas industry is disappearing. Because, like, that's just the old way we used to do shit. And, like, eventually you're not going to have, like, every house heated by heating oil. And not that you don't even have that. You don't have that now, obviously. But I'm saying less and less every year and less and less need for gasoline. And it's, like, the next thing. It almost seems like it's going to be, you know, just different different fuel sources. And, like, I was just talking to somebody the other day about, about all the crazy shit that, um, that they do with, like, GMO mm-hmm. corn crops. And, and the guy was like, oh, yeah, I watched a documentary about how they think that, like, Montesanto, like, did that to control more of the crops because, like, the next big thing is going to be, you know, just gas made from made from corn, like, ethanol. Hmm. It's going to be, like, the stop the stop gap hmm. for, like, post-oil. And I was like, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, like, happy for, the, happy for the farmers or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's all just kind of... I don't even know. It gets really, really complicated when you start thinking about the future in general. Like I saw that. Um, well, I don't think it's any more complicated than the past. When you think about how everybody thought they had it so good, and then like you can look at it from, you can just look at it from like a point of view now, where like all of a sudden everything changed, where like every you know the manufacturing boom happened, and everybody was like they didn't have jobs anymore, doing agricultural work, and they were all getting pulled to the city, and then all of a sudden that shit's over. Just things just like change, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I to... think that I think that, that that's a really good point, man, and it's something that I've been thinking about for a while. Where 
the the past really wasn't that bad. I mean, there was stuff about it that was pretty fucking bad, but it's it was just different, you know. I mean, you had to you had to poop in an outhouse. That's a I mean, that's not that bad. You just have to watch out for snakes no, and stuff. Really. And yeah, it's not that bad. they didn't have modern medicine but everybody likes to to walk out that statistic that people died younger and it's like no that's just because babies died you know like a lot of babies died but people in general lived to be pretty much the same age as they do now so there's not much difference there yeah i guess like the only thing that would be real different yeah it's just like when i think about something like oh wow i'm so excited that um seeing eyeglasses were you know that i can you know i like i don't have perfect vision i can see so if it was like if it was like old olden times, I'd be like dead mm-hmm. because of that. So mm-hmm. yes. other than that, like whatever. As long as I can, you know, if you stick me back in a time machine and I have to like read crappy books from the, uh, you know, from the mid eighteen hundreds, I'll probably get. I'll probably enjoy them after a little while. It's like you're talking about like getting used to reading experimental fiction. Mm-hmm. It's like the same crap when you have to like go back and read like. I mean, a lot of stuff is really good, like the Bronte sisters or whatever it is. Mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. or you're reading like Les Mis, and it's like really great stuff. But you just have to get in like the mode of reading that kind of stuff. That's almost like that's almost every single book that's ever been written for me, though. I I pretty much hate the first twenty pages of every book that I've ever read. Oh, really? Yeah, it's just about like getting to that certain point and you know learning the voice and things like that like I'll, I'll i will enjoy the beginnings of non-fiction books because normally non-fiction books i really like the introduction to non-fiction books because they pretty much oh, tell you the whole story right there they're like well yeah they tell you they just summarize it real quick yeah and that's like I'm, i've been reading these uh i was i was talking about those new york review of books novels uh, i've been reading lately uh-huh, uh-huh. and they always have a forward in them because they're like these class they're like these lost classic books or whatever yeah, yeah. George did so the they have like a forward rain. in it and it, yeah, so like you read that shit and you're like, "Oh, cool! I wonder, I wonder what this this motherfucker has to say about this book." And you read it, and the guy like literally just summarizes the entire book, like scene by scene. You like you start reading the couple, first couple paragraphs. Oh fuck! I just read the first ninety pages of this book by accident. You know, and it's like, yo motherfucker. That's the afterword. Right. You messed right, right. up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Hey, I'm gonna grab another beer. Do you have some more time to talk, or do you have to go, or what? Yeah, I got I got a lot of time. Okay, cool, excellent. Yeah, because uh, I'm trying to do like longer episodes, basically. But uh, yeah, yeah, I was a little sleepy in the beginning. I'm gonna have a. I've been drinking a coffee and having a beer. So cool. I can cool. I'm gonna get more yeah, interesting. I feel like I feel like uh, I feel like we really picked up around the ET part. We really started getting going around ET. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. I'll be right back. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. That is the end of the free episode. If you're interested in hearing more, please do head over to patreon.com slash JDO. We talk uh, for a much longer time, about an hour extra, about more funny, weird, fun shit. And um, I think you'll like it. I think you should check it out. Bud Smith's book is called Work. It's on simple coping mechanisms. It's available now on amazon.com. Please do check that out. I hope your day is going swell, and I hope you enjoyed this 81st episode of the JDO Show. Bye.